365 Conversations, episode 31. Welcome to 365 Conversations. I'm your host, Chris Loach. Today, my guest is Luke Rogers, and he is the founder of Pro Merch out in Nashville, Tennessee. And they just make really awesome t shirts. They're baseball and football themed t shirts, uh, player shirts. They're really good quality. They're really cool designs. I really like it. Check it out. We'll have links to his website in the show notes, 365conversations.com slash episode 31. There'll be links to, to check out all of their shirts, all their line. Uh, you can also find it at Target. So check that out. Make sure to make sure to check them out and support them because they just do really cool work. And Luke was just really awesome to talk to. So I really hope you enjoy hearing his story. Again, all the show notes, 365conversations.com slash episode 31. Well, I'm here today with Luke Rogers, and he is the founder of Pro Merch out in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm excited to talk to Luke today. So Luke, thanks for hanging out. Oh, I'm glad to be here. This is fun. I, uh, yeah, definitely love, I mean, it's easy to talk about yourself, right? Uh, <laughs> so I'm excited, man. Nice. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, I think I've heard you on the Bad Christian podcast a while back kind of heard your story a little bit. And so I had looked up pro merch and kind of had uh, followed what you're doing since then. But kind of give me your background, kind of where you where you grew up and, and that kind of thing. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, the bad Christian thing was with Emory, um, you know, and I actually went on tour with those guys for a month to kind of back her that. They're probably the funniest dudes I've ever met. <laughs> I, um, and so I, that was really early on. I actually have like real qualified guests now that like have some kind of, you know, maybe more interesting story to tell than I do or maybe more, uh, you know, recognition, but, um, I'm from Northern California. I was born and semi raised in Chico, California, which I know you're in Fresno. So we're, we kind of come from the same block in a sense, as far as, as far as California as a whole, um, you know, central Northern California. Um, you know, let me see. I, uh, Stay, you know, I stayed home and went to college. Not stayed home, but I stayed home in Chico. Went to college at Chico State. Was pre-med. Uh, not, not really sure what I wanted to do. My dad uh, works in healthcare, and I thought that'd be a cool thing to kind of do what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and after finishing that, I moved to Wisconsin for a year uh, with my brother, who got drafted in the NFL at that point in time, and he thought it'd be fun, you know, not to live live by himself. And I thought it'd be fun to to go somewhere and kind of experience that and also study for the MCAT. So I did that and uh, spent a winter in Wisconsin with a couple of kids from California, which was <laughs> eye-opening to say the least. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy. At that point, you know, I knew I was smart enough to do medicine, um, that I, you know, I had the grades and I had, I had the, you know, the scores and stuff to go to med school. It just didn't, whatever reason didn't kind of, didn't really sit right mm-hmm. with me, like in my heart. And so I, uh, you know, being 22, 23 years old, 22, I was 23 actually. So 23 years old, I figured, Hey, the best thing I could do is probably go spend my life, um, spend some time in my life on something other than myself. And so I'd really wanted to go to Australia selfishly to, to learn how to surf. Um, so I found a YWAM program in Australia Oh, nice! and, and I went, uh, and spent, you know, eight months of my life, uh, on the sunshine coast of Australia uh, doing a DTS with YWAM, uh, I kind of had this idea in my head. I think that I, that at some point, if I was living for something other than myself, like God would kind of download what He wanted me to do with my life. Yeah. And I think you know, now that I'm ten years removed from that, being 33, 
it's funny to think that I thought like that, kind of know what I know now. Um, but it was an amazing experience. Probably the, one of the best times of my entire life. I got to you know, live with 11 other dudes um, in a little sleepy surf town called Maruchador. And uh, we, you know, we surfed at 6 a.m. every morning and went to class, Bible class, and did our thing. And then I ended up spending three and a half months abroad in Southeast Asia. Lived in an orphanage in Thailand. Um, you know, we rebuilt a village that had been wiped out by a mudslide in the Philippines. Just some cool things uh, that I that I really felt, man, it made you feel alive. It was one of the more the more it was probably the paramount life changing sort of moment chapter of my life. Uh, I remember asking and you know praying, asking God, like, hey, you know, what is it you want? Hey, you know, like, hey, hey, God, hey, what, what do you what do you want me to do with my life? And and I think you know in my naivety and. I expected to have some kind of concrete answer. Right. Um, and I really didn't get one. But what I did get is that by the time I came back to the States, I I kind of knew in my spirit, knew in my heart that I really that I really didn't want to do medicine. I couldn't imagine myself in that job for the next, you know, 40, 50 years. Uh, not that I couldn't do it. It just wasn't my passion. Um, and it was funny because I, I feel like every time that, you know, when people talk about God speaking and it depends kind of where you fall in, in your dogma uh, and your, you know, in what denomination of Christianity or Catholicism you fall in under and, and still speaks. But, and it's not always audible, but it was funny. I had a conversation, I remember a conversation. I, ha- I remember praying one day in Australia and asking God what he wanted me to do with my life. And it came back as, I really came back and I really felt like God answered, said like, what do you want to do? And I didn't know. And I was like, I don't know. And, and I, you know, and it's funny looking back at that now. I feel like God said, "Where do you want to be?" And I said, "Well, if I can't be here, I want to be in San Diego because San Diego, you know, I want to go somewhere I can surf again." Yeah. And uh, you know, lo and behold, a couple years go by. I come back home. I don't go to med school, so I go to San Diego and, and um, enroll in their MBA program to do my MBA. And I spent end up spending six years in San Diego. I <laughs> uh, did my MBA in two and. Along the way, you know, I feel like, and kind of the backtrack, and then also jump forward. Um, it's funny, like as many times as I felt like I asked what it was that I was supposed to do with my life, and what it was that was required of me. Uh, it's weird thinking that sometimes maybe I didn't get a, a direct answer because what I have ended up doing wasn't something. Something wasn't. It was something that wasn't created yet. Sorry for not spitting that out, mm. but it wasn't something. If God had said, "Hey, I want you to." Bill Pro Merch, you know, when I was 23, right. I, I didn't like, huh? <laughs> you know, you know, it wasn't until I had, you know, had this idea sort of in the second year of my master's that, and I just did it recreationally, and it, it, I never really expected to be something that grew into what it is, which is another crazy thing. It just kind of hit me about, you know, it was very surprising. You know, when I finished my MBA, I was looking for jobs with hedge funds and different kind of finance things because I knew the money was there, and I was tired of being poor and being a student after being, you know, all these different things, and, um, None of that worked out, and this kind of did. So uh, that's really my background up into, you know, and then the story of the company kind of begins there. But that's kind of what led up to doing what I do now. And I do a couple things now, but that's really my baby is is, is pro merch. And yeah. it kind of was, it, it came out of two things for me. And I don't know where you want to go with this. Maybe I'll let you, maybe let you ask again. I mean, that, that was my background, but mm. where do you want to go with this? Well, I mean, I totally, I totally relate to that, you know, wanting to know, okay, God, show me, show me what you want to do. You know, this is, this is like a passion or this is kind of what I'm thinking and, and not really getting a clear direction. I think a lot of, a lot of people, especially in their twenties and, 
uh, you know, feel that way, especially if they have a church background or have some kind of faith. And so that just totally, that resonates with me and, uh, I've, I've been there. So, yeah, I mean, what, how did, how did the, the pro merch thing start? Like, did you, did you come to a, a point where you're like, I want to be my own boss. I want to run a business, you know, cause you're looking to, to go do hedge funds and stuff, but right. And that was that was more on necessity. I think mm. part of I remember sitting in my our uh, like our introduction class for our MBA and them talking about hey here's what you can do with your MBA and this and that and then they had everybody go around and in sort of our class of people and talk about why they wanted to get their MBA and what they were gonna do and I remember like again being naive and not knowing what I didn't know and having sort of being a dreamer and being a creative person. I remember saying, "Hey, you know what I want to do with my MBA is get some good requisite business knowledge because I'm starting my own company and I might bail out of this program before I even finish, you know, because we're going to hit it big." And <laughs> I remember saying that and being nice. like and believing it 100% and you know, that obviously didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I think that's kind of where my mindset has always been is that I've had a lot of jobs in my life and not like really any of them. And it, part of it is that I, I, it's hard to be a creative person, I think. And that's yeah. kind of myself and, and to be kind of boxed into a place unless you're really in the creative avenue. And those kind of jobs don't really, really exist unless you create them for yourselves or unless you're a musician and you create music and do that. Or if you're an artist and do that. Or if you're a graphic designer, you can work for someone yeah. and create. But also, it's always in, within your own confines. You don't really get the freedom to do what you want to do. And like freedom's always been a big thing to me in, in my life is that just not to be constrained. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that, I don't know exactly why that is. I'm a firstborn and usually that's not how we roll, but, right. uh, but it just, cause kind of something I wanted to do. I didn't want to have a boss necessarily. And I kind of had this idea that things were going to work out a certain way and it didn't really. And it's okay because I think I learned a lot in the process, but what really happened was, is that I went to a lot of football games and I hated all of the, options that I had to you know to wear for like Packer gear I hated it it was stupid it was like the same stuff for 20 years it's a logo printed on a shirt or a polo shirt or just something cheesy right and I ended up because of growing up we talked earlier before we turned the audio on about some mutual people we knew and I got really into the music scene um, in college I was really in the music scene in college and one of my good friends played music and like any college kid, I really got really into T-shirts, and I kind of that never left. Yeah. And so I always wanted cool T-shirts that I could wear to fo- you know to a football game uh, or or to a baseball game or something that. And because I became a T-shirt junkie, I wanted something that was soft and felt nice and like felt like a quality product. Because the other thing I was finding out, you know, with having two siblings that played in the NFL was that your options at the pro shop are really really nil. They've gotten better in the last few years, but yeah. ten years ago. When my brother started playing, you know, it was a Hanes beefy tee. And once I washed that thing, and I'm a tall guy, it shrunk up. It didn't fit. And I never liked how it fit in the first place. And why yeah. couldn't I find a shirt like, you know, American Apparel was just kind of getting on the scene then, building, making these soft vintage tees that we'd always look for, like thrift shops when I was in college. And they had that feel, and I liked wearing that stuff, right? And so it kind of came out of, like, there's a hole in the market to me where I felt like we could fit. And then it, it was also sort of circumstance that I, because of some of the circles I got to walk in, I got to knew, know the, pe- the people in the business, whether it was players or had a good connect to agents and that kind of stuff. So I could connect easily to these entities, whether it was, you know, Marshawn Lynch, Patrick Willis, Arian Foster, my brother, and Devin Hester were our first five guys that we started with. And mm-hmm. those were all 
no more than two phone calls to you know to make those happen. Wow. And is this they, when you were in school? Like you were this is, still. This is right after I finished hmm. school. So San Diego also had its had its hooks in me too because it's a weird place that like. I lived there for six years and in some ways never felt like I really lived there. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like I was always on vacation in a strange way. Uh, and so it's an easy, it's, it's not a great place for someone that has a little bit of issues being a self-starter. I'm kind of a weird entrepreneur. Like I don't have interest, I don't have a whole lot of problems being a self-starter, but when it competes with fun, I have a lot of conflict. <laughs> so it's nice that I got out of San Diego for that reason, but it, I do miss a lot of things about it. But when I, when I started this, in the second year of my master's, in my final year, I interned with a sports agent. I thought about going the agent direction because mm-hmm. of my contacts and because of people I knew. And I interned in Boston in like the April before I graduated. And I didn't really like it. Um, and part of it was now the agent wasn't big enough. And the other part of it was I just don't like the feel of a business where I don't feel like integrity is really valued. Mm, and, yeah. and that's a hard thing. It's, hard, it's a hard thing to be a person of integrity in that business because it's very low barriers to entry there. Um, and there's very few guys that you can actually make money off of. So it's v- hyper competitive. Yeah. And guys will basically do anything they, they want to do and can do. And it just didn't feel like, uh, you know, this is not really what I want to do. So this whole thing had kind of been on the back burner for a while. And I just started doing it. I started doing it with a guy in LA. Because uh, I figured I could bring all the creative aspect because I knew what I wanted to see and I knew what it wanted to feel like. But I couldn't do the production standpoint. So I started with a guy who did a bunch of promotional items for the Lakers. And I kind of mm-hmm. met him through a contact. But everything that came back to me was bad. Like the artwork wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't what I like had in my head. Yeah. And, and I didn't know anything about licensing. So that's the other thing. Like th- this is a baptism by fire for me. And I think I've told my partner before and we've laughed about it. Like if we were to do it all over again, I don't know if I'd do a license product because there's so many hoops to jump through and we've had so many lawsuits thrown our way which aren't even viable right. it's just that it costs money to take care of that stuff and that's what's tough but all that aside i met a few people throughout the process that really kind of helped helped help birth this thing and i've always been like a guy that liked having a team as much as i like being an entrepreneur and kind of being in in, in charge i like working with people i'm a rel- relational guy and that's mm-hmm. kind of how i've connected all the dots i've connected in this and at this point so kind of just perspective this is six years ago really like starting you know at our point now we have we're licensed by the nfl player association well we're renegotiating our license with the player association i shouldn't say we're licensed we're not at the moment um there's a lot of politics in that but we're licensed by the mlb players association baseball hall of fame and i have about 50 to 70 individual contracts i've negotiated with former players um, both baseball, football, and also MMA. I'm actually wearing a shirt today. It's amazing. Oh, nice. I'm wearing my Ken Shamrock shirt, and he's fighting uh, in a Bellator fight. And he's like 55. It's crazy, but cool, dude. So I relationally, that's 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 my sweet spot. I love doing relational things. I love doing creative things, and I love, you know, I I like creating. As a, and so th- this really hit my sweet spot for what I love to do. Yeah. And um, when it didn't work out with the guy in LA, I happened to meet a guy in Nashville. Now. This is all crazy, you know, sort of crazy connections to my little brother, baby brother Jordan. Uh, he got a full ride to Vandy, the Vanderbilt here in town, here in Nashville. I'm in Nashville now, but here in Nashville to play football. And so I started coming out, and I ended up meeting this guy, Austin, who, like, like the guy that I work with in, like Herb, who I work with in L.A., was a production guy. But in Austin's case, he was more my age, and he understood more what I what I was trying to say, and so it ended up becoming a pretty good marriage between 
the creative and relational aspects I could bring and then sort of the production aspects and, and fulfillment aspects that he could bring. And that, and he's still my partner now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really began sort of the modern era of promers. Like before it was, it was me doing it for fun, trying to make a little extra money, yeah. not thinking it turned into anything. And then all of a sudden it turned into something because I got five guys interested and they want to do it. And once you hit five, the NFL requires you get a player association license for using any product selling any product with more than five players involved in your umbrella mm-hmm. company. So yeah. it took us a year to get that done. Because um, not only you have to negotiate a deal with the player, you have to be approved by the NFL as right. well. So and you're so, negotiating yeah. multiple. So two hoops, right? Yeah. And then when you get when you get what's called the, G, the, um, the GLA, which is the General Licensing Agreement, when you get that signed with the NFL Players Association, you actually have license to use any in all active NFL players. Hmm. So, and then that, then that nullifies any contracts you've had beforehand. So once that happened, we grandfathered in Marshawn and Patrick Willis uh, because their contracts were still active and everybody else just became you know, a PA license. And then within this time, uh, you just kind of, you know, I, had, I knew a guy that knew a guy at Target and we got ourselves an exclusive partnership with Target stores. This, oh, is, nice. this, is, this is pre, pre us getting the PA license. I'm kind of okay. doing things out of order as I'm yeah. talking about it. I'm remembering things, but <laughs> it's important. So we got a big box retailer deal before, when we were really doing like a couple thousand shirts a year. So yeah. all of a sudden we're asked to look like a giant corporation when it's just two guys and some printers we know that printing our stuff and, and one of our my buddies who was a graphic designer doing some design for us. Um, so... Target behoove that we get the license. The license behoove that we have Target because that would guarantee volume, which gives us a minimum guarantee and also gives us a market in all 32, 32 NFL franchise home bases where we can sell in those Target stores because there's roughly 1,600 Target stores in nationwide and a few in Canada, but those have all closed. Yeah. So um, that was a few years ago. Uh, we added an MLB after that because – Football ends up being the hardest. They're the hardest people to work with. And part of the reason is that the NFL PA, for all of its glory, and the NFL being the number one sport in the, you know, in the pantheon of American sports at this point, actually is probably the weakest union out huh. of all of them. The, the, most, the strongest union in the entire world is the MLB union. Yeah. Because if you know anything about sports, you know this. You know that unlike football, baseball and basketball, all those contracts are guaranteed. So... You know, when someone signs a $100 million contract in the NFL, you know, there's a portion of that that's probably written in it's guaranteed and usually somewhere around 40%, unless you have a really good agent and somehow gets you half of that guaranteed. So they'll see $40 million of that $100 million guaranteed. And the likelihood they play out the entirety of that, of that contract is really, really unlikely because at some point, because of their abilities or because, you know, because of, the, of their production, they become not worth the back end of that contract. So it becomes, yeah. they get cut, they're not owed anything. Unlike, unlike that, in baseball and basketball, when Derek, when, what was it, Derek Jeter I almost said, Alex Rodriguez signed a $200 million record-breaking deal with the Texas Rangers. He was still getting paid by the Rangers when he was playing for the Yankees because it's all guaranteed. Yeah. And that comes from a very strong union. So it was crazy. NFL was stupid hard to get into. The hardest <laughs> union in the world to get into or the most powerful was really easy, and MLB has been the best partner we've had. MLB PA, I should say, because we're not. And when let me backtrack a little bit too. The initial concept of pro merch was to not do team license. It was to do a player centric apparel, and mm-hmm. that, I should have said that at the very beginning. That was my other concept. So it was nice soft shirts 
that were more fashion forward. And then it was instead of doing, let's print a Packer G or a Niners SF or a Raiders emblem on a shirt and do that and sell it. It was, let's focus this on the players. Let's make it advantageous to the players to be involved and let's build a brand. And that was kind of my pitch then was let's build you a brand because anytime your name is out in the marketplace, it is your brand, like it or not, bootlegged, licensed, whatever it is, it yeah. is your brand. And that is, that's how we began this thing and that's how we built this thing. And So there's really a lot more personal connection there because you're personally at least dealing with an agent of the player or right. presenting to the, to the player. Sure, and it's it's interesting too because a lot some guys love being like super hands on. They'll prove it themselves, and some mm -hmm. guys are just like I don't care. Right. And and now at this point that we're massively licensed by these by these organizations, there's only a few guys that still stay intimately involved, and most of those guys actually are the retired guys because, funny enough, like they they're gonna bat a thousand every year, and they're not gonna they're not gonna be Johnny Manziel and and get themselves in trouble and you know and targets that end up with 200 shirts that no one wants to buy because everybody can't stand him. Yeah. Right. I mean Walter Payton, who you know God rest his soul, Jerry Rice, um, Jim Brown, all guys we work with, those guys have 100 percent equity, have you know have a Hall of Fame year every year because they're not playing, and so and those guys also want to keep themselves relevant because for a lot of these athletes the they have a hard time with perspective now that they're not the hot thing they're not cam newton they they struggle not being in the spotlight so for them to become relevant again in the game is a huge thing and, and also to build a brand like we work with these guys and, and they you know they have a lot of input a little input but they are invested in our project which is a really cool thing probably the coolest thing because now that we're big enough to have these licenses you don't get to do a whole lot of hands-on stuff with a lot of guys. We work with Zach Ertz, um, who plays for the Eagles, because I know his agent well, and mm -hmm. Ertz wanted to do an Ertz So Good shirt, like, <laughs> you know, like, Hurts So Good. Um, oh, baby, make it hurt so good. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, some guys have that. Jameis Winston, like, he's a new guy, you know, newer guy, number one pick in Tampa. We got the only license for famous Jameis, his nickname from his agent, and Jameis personally approved what we were doing with, with his shirt. But there's, I mean, now it's few and far between. Guys, it's not enough money for them yeah. to really care. It's not a big enough drop in the bucket when you have about multi-million dollar contracts. Um, but, you know, then it presents a set of challenges. So, you know, we were talking about if we're going to do this all over again, and part of it is licensing. And part of it, too, with the player stuff is that, unfortunately, the advantage to just printing team stuff is that you can pretty much print the same thing every year. Right, yeah. but you're not going to have the same players every season because you have rookies, you have guys that retire, you have a guy that has a really crappy season, and and people don't like him anymore, or they trade him. Yeah, and so you constantly have to turn over the artwork. That that has been a huge challenge. Uh, we have vested partners that are, I think, are some of the best art, best artists for sports stuff that I've ever seen. That's why I, I grabbed them, and they're out of Cleveland, Ohio. But it's, I mean, it's a constant turnover and the thing that's crazy about the business too is because you're you're selling at retail and now we're at we're in target we were exclusive out of our exclusive we're at kohl's shop co we just got interest from like sears there's a bunch of smaller retailers that we're working with now mm. but the weird thing is is that you can't just sell it anywhere now the pa has to approve these channels uh, and because geez. it's so political other than the baseball football wise it's so political they don't want to they don't want to step on anybody's toes because they have no power really that it's tough getting in, into those into those channels, but for baseball they want to be anywhere and everywhere we can be. So that's that's the kind of flip. But 
I mean, you're paying. It's a it's a hard business, man. It really is. It's a hard business for us to make money, and we really haven't made much money, to be honest, in this business. Hmm. Even though it's been fantastically popular as far as our volume, right? You you have a pie to start out with, you know, and and here's you know here's your pie of 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 gross revenue, right? And you want to wholesale it to a, a mass retailer who wants to make you know 100% markup on what they do. So if you take that idea. And, tar- and Target in these places are not premium places that sell things for forty t-shirts for forty dollars. Yeah, you're you're looking at a small pie to start out with, and then if you take that pie and you have to pay a percentage of that to a players association for licensing or to whoever for licensing, that pie, that pie becomes smaller. So it really becomes a volume game, and unfortunately, like vo- it's it's a guessing game. It's a volume game and a guessing game because you don't know who's going to come out and tear their ACL like Jordy Nelson did this season, and we have we pre-sold all this stuff before the season to Target. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we don't have to buy it back because we have a great deal with Target, but you know, it doesn't help us that we're not moving more shirts during the season because Jordy's hurt, and, right. and that's, you know, a Packers G is never going to be hurt. You know, a Niners <laughs> SF is never going to be hurt. Like they're all, People are still going to love the Niners, but you know, if your guy gets hurt or your guy gets rested, if you make an Aaron Hernandez shirt, we never did that. But if we make <laughs> an Aaron Hernandez shirt, you know, all of a sudden you've got a PR campaign, a, P, a PR sort of situation that you've got to diffuse. So, I mean, that's really the the business is, is crazy. Like it's, uh, I would love to own a brand, and I'm kind of working on it that I don't have to license something, and that's my next project is is an unlicensed deal. Nice. Uh, you, but then you then you have to build the equity. You know, you have to build you have to build the brand equity. Whereas if you can become, if you get licensed, if you're, shoot, if you're a Star Wars, if you're making Star Wars T-shirts, all the equity is already there. You know, you're only, you're paying a premium on that, and that's kind of what we do with player stuff. Is, is we're paying a premium on the brands that already exist. If it's Gronkowski or Brady or, or Romo or, Jameis Winston or Jim Brown or Jerry Rice or whoever it is, we we, we pay the premium to use that brand equity. Yeah. So there's there's a push and a pull. It just ends up. It's a game of margins, and unless you have a giant footprint, and that's kind of what we're working on too, online, where you can sell and your margin goes from whatever your cost is to a full retail price instead of a wholesale price, then you're in a good place. It's just getting to that place is is difficult and it's tricky. And the guys that have figured it out, they figured it out, and they don't want to work for anybody else. They want to work for themselves, right? Yeah. And if and if and the other problem with that too is that if you if you go to someone who's already built a network like Amazon or Fanatics. Then you lose control of pri- of pricing, and so then you then you run into part- problems with your partners, retail partners saying Amazon's selling it for this, 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 and we can't you know we can't control that. And I'm yeah. saying yeah, so they're saying the people aren't going to come to Target and buy it. They're not going to come to Kohl's because they're going to go on Amazon and buy it for five dollars less. So you get into a weird place where you try to negotiate price fixing with these with these outlets online, and that doesn't really get you too far. So it's a it's a crazy business, man. I, I tell you what, like I learned more in the first year of getting. You know, not realizing what licensing was even in, in terms of what you had to pay or who you had to talk to for the NFL logos to, you know, having a couple dozen lawsuits fired, filed against you because people think they own phrases or, and it's not players. It's always like some, some, somebody, somebody, Tom Jones from Vermont who thinks that he owns. Who knows? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy, but it takes money to unwrap that. And that, that's yeah. kind of the, that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of been the, da- the down, sort, sort of the, the downer on this business. Also, like, just for point of reference, like, I, I've never taken money from an investor. This has all been bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really, for the most part, haven't paid my, haven't really paid myself very much in, in six years uh, of doing it because I believe enough in the end game of this that there, there's, 
like I'm not getting rich yet. And I, and I think there, I think the the concept has proven itself completely. It's just a matter of if the process is going to prove to be profitable enough. And that's kind of where we're at right now as we sit here is renegotiating with the NFLPA after the Super Bowl it is to understand like, you know, if we sign another, you know, half a million dollar guarantee with you guys in it for a year, you know, that's great if we hit that. But if we can't, you know, if we can't pay ourselves what we the time we spend on this, then you know, maybe it's time for us to figure out you know how we make this, how we how we skin this thing to be a an MLB based business um, and and a legends based business. And if we can make that work without owing you know the NFL a ton of money, yeah. uh, then maybe it becomes that. I don't know. It's 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 crazy, but it's funny, man, because like I, I literally get a couple emails every week in my inbox from players and ex players asking if we want to do a shirt with them, and that's amazing because I had to chase the first. 20, 30 guys so hard and had to do deals that were not great for us to get guys in the door. And now I'm doing a standard deal where I've got all the leverage and they've got, you know, it, it's, it's a crazy thing, man. But it, I tell you what, like even if, if Promerch were to close tomorrow and six years of my life, it, it's been a, the biggest challenge, um, the most rewarding in a sense. And relationally wise, like I, I think I've made more friends like, and more connections in this business than that really make that that currency. I think is, is as valuable as if as if I, I were to sell it next week because yeah. ultimately, like I'm a I'm a weird like serial entrepreneur guy that has like five other ideas that I'm that I have just sitting somewhere and I want to do everything. Like I I wish I could do it all at once, but I've kind of learned in the last few years that if I try to do any of that all at once, I I don't do any of it well. Right. So and that's kind of the old adage is like is like do one thing and do it well uh do too many things and you know jack of all trades master of none um so trying to to hone that back it's 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 been a crazy ride man it, it is uh, and it's still going it's funny at times i thought it was going to die and be done even this last year recently this last mm-hmm. month uh, you know we're going to sport is going to be done um mm-hmm. And it's weird to think because I think people have a perception that like, oh man, I see all your stuff in Target. I know all the names you have, yeah. and this and that. But there's so much more that happens on 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 the business side that you know it, it's cra- it's it's wild because of our buying season. Even just returning to that, like because of our buying season, a lot of these people do their work overseas. We don't do anything overseas. We do it all here in in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Be- partly because we can't we don't we can't afford the turn time because we have to sell MLB and baseball stuff. Like six months before the before the season begins, and predict who's going to be there, and that's got we've got to have those things sold, and we can't you know we can't create that at the end of the season fast enough to do it overseas. We'd love to do that. I mean, the sense of like a break, right? It feels good to do things in America. Like it feels good to do things and mm-hmm. have jobs here. I'd like it if I made a little more money, and that that would be awesome. But um, do you do your production in house or do you outsource it? Yeah, we outsource it here, but yeah. we're, it's here in Nashville, so oh, nice. all our printing happens here. Um, our blanks we actually buy from Los Angeles. Uh, our artists do their art in Cleveland. Uh, we've got a guy in Dallas that has a really cool facility that does some of our um, other soft goods. You know, and it's uh, you know it's, it's all here. Yeah. So, which is it's fun to say that, but. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be more fun if I had like you know could buy a house or something. You know? <laughs> so anyway, it's it's a yeah, it's a crazy business, man. I think learning, 
I think it's been good to learn who I am. It's been good to learn and partner with some with some really some other entrepreneurs. Like my partner Austin Castleman is an entrepreneur in, in and of himself. He's done really really successful in the fulfillment mm-hmm. and product creation business, you know. And then we worked with Dale Partridge for a while, who started Sevenly. Dale's yeah. a really good friend, and Dale was nice. an advisor and a, and a consultant for a while. And just he he ended up having different things to do and, than we did, and you know it was it was great while it lasted, uh, you know. And, and that that kind of stuff has been really cool because. You surround yourself with people that do like things, uh, and and I, at this at the moment too. I also I I cover the NFL for a company here in town called Twenty Four Seven Sports, and the guy that runs that is a guy named Shannon, and he's an entrepreneur. So I get to chat with all these different guys about, you know, it, it's it's like a melting pot of entrepreneurial sort of experience, and, and you learn, man. You learn how to manage your time and your stress, man, because there's nothing like owning your own business to really pound you into the ground. I know we talked before this about some of the things you do and I understand and I know there's a ton of stress involved because you become the point person just like an entrepreneur, just like a founder of a company, a lot of it comes back, everything comes back and lands on you and yeah. that's that's an amazing responsibility. It's amazing to have employees that you know you take care of. Like that's a cool feeling. Mm-hmm. It's also a really hard responsibility when things don't go well to understand that they that their laurels are resting on your plate and you know, it, it takes a certain personality, I think, and it, it takes someone who doesn't who doesn't value security over freedom, and that's kind of where I, I've lived the last six years. Is, I mean, my freedom and creativity to kind of do what I want to do and not be constrained um, by maybe you know by someone else's dictation has really given me a cool opportunity, but it's also given put me in a place where I have no safety net. Yeah. I have, I don't have always have a regular paycheck and or regular benefits and all that kind of stuff that everybody enjoys who has a regular job. So there's a, I mean, there's a, you, you win some, you lose some, you there's a push and a pull. Um, but, you know, like I said, if, it's a, if we're to close tomorrow and fail tomorrow, I mean, my, my earnings in, in, in experience and relational and the, the currency of the, the currency of people, it makes it completely, completely, uh, you know, worth the last, last six years of my life doing this. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just kind of a crazy place, man. It's like it's like driving a it's like driving a car in, in dense fog. Like you don't know exactly what's ahead. It'd be nice if we did. You just at this point, it's funny to have this conversation at this point because we're at such a crossroads for our company. It's you know I don't know I don't know what happens next for us, but it's all right because. You know, if, I, if there's one thing I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I know that because I know I was supposed to go to med school, and I think this process has taught me more about who I am, and you know, I know I'm someone who likes to create, and I know I'm someone who 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 likes to build, and building a team, and creating a company, and creating the creative around the company has really been a cool experience. Nice, yeah, well. That's just a, yeah, such a cool story. That's something I've, you know, just the relationships and that's kind of what this whole podcast I've kind of been like, you know, had different ideas of what I thought it would be or what I thought I'd do with it and stuff. And, and it's really just come to, to meeting different people and, you know, hearing different people's stories are, you know, so encouraging in so many different ways. And, you know, just hearing your story and at the end of the day, yeah, maybe it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been money, but there's all that, that you've learned along the way. And that's kind of, kind of the journey that I'm going through right now as well. So that's uh, awesome. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing all of that. 
Sure. And, you know, I sometimes go back to the story of David, man, and, and like not that we all want to put ourselves in his shoes, but I mean, he had to wander in, in the wilderness and hide for his life for a long time before he was able to walk into, you know, his quote, his blessing and, and his promise. And yeah. it looks different for all of us. And I, I think oftentimes from the outside looking in, like being an entrepreneur sounds super awesome. You're going to be, you know, you're going to make Facebook. You're going to create Facebook. You're yeah. going to be Mark Zetterberg. It, it, it's amazing. It happens overnight. You're a billionaire like Mark Cuban overnight. And it isn't a reality of it, you know? And, and, and I think I was that dreamer for a long time. I'm still that dreamer, but it, yeah. it just, it's tempered with the idea that, that you can't replace hard work and that nothing worth having ever comes easy. And especially when you're trying to create, um, you know, in, in a marketplace, you know, any kind of marketplace, especially in the economy that we that we exist in, you know, everything's a challenge, and it's going to be a challenge. But you know, a lot of us, me included, I I, I kind of live for that challenge, man. Now that I'm not playing sports anymore, and I'm 33, I play well. I lie. I play Tuesday night, Tuesday night basketball. I have a game tonight. Nice. Uh, with a bunch of other dudes, but we're a bunch of old guys that play. <laughs> and uh, but other than that, like you know, I'm still one a competitive person in the sense that I, you know, that I have a drive to, you know, to to succeed. And and you know, success, success doesn't always look like we talked before. It doesn't doesn't always mean monetarily. So yeah. I got I got to check myself and keep myself there because the world likes to measure the rest of us and buy the money of our in our bank account. Yeah. Um, if there's anything I learned when I was in Thailand or living in an orphanage. It's it's a, it's not it's not that you're qualified. It's that you're available. Mm -hmm. and, and I think God doesn't always call qualified. He calls the available and the willing and that's man it's i know it's cliche but it you know i've seen it i've seen it in my life and you know it's not it's not about the about the final destination either it really is about the journey if we're gonna go cliche and but i think that there's, there's so much truth to that like you know ultimately i'd love to to build this into something that i can sell yeah. you know and take care of my family and take care of the people that i love but God isn't concerned about that and that finality, if that even happens or not, as much as he concern, is he concerned about the people that, that this touches, the, the way that it shapes myself and Austin and the rest of the employees that we have at our, at, in our company, and kind of the way that, that it crafts us as, you know, as men, as individuals, as, as people. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's tough, man. Like it's a tough place to keep your head. It's a tough headspace to live in because, you know, you you get hit with everything else all the time. Um, and you know, it's weird talking about it and listening to myself talk about it out, out loud because I think a lot of what we what I talk what we've been talking about is a lot of things I stress about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just just the truth, man. Just being transparent. It is. It's it's a tough. You know, it's not for everybody. So yeah. I, well, I appreciate you uh, being so open and honest and and. Uh processing out it all out loud with me absolutely yeah it's, it's like a therapy session yeah <laughs> how's the transition living in uh, nashville compared to california it's different i miss the water yeah it's weird to have more than more than like two seasons yeah uh, it's great though man i, I nashville is a, is a cool place it's uh it's a big city that feels like a small town yeah like you feel like you see people you know and you know and you when you're out and about, like you run into people, someone you know, and uh, it doesn't feel like you live in a, in a metropolis of a million people. 
Yeah. It's got a hockey team and a professional you know, football team, which is crazy. And I know my neighbors. I like that. Like, I didn't really know my neighbors a whole lot. I mean, Chico's a different. You know, I was living in Southern California, so I'm coming from SoCal right. to here, not not from Northern California, where I live in a small town. Everybody, it kind of feels more like Northern California than does Southern California, which is great. Yeah, uh, I like country music, so country's here. That's cool. Nice. Um, you know, and I spent five years coming back and forth. And I started this company before I even moved here. So, mm. and then when Jordan was playing at Vanderbilt, I was here a bunch, and I. I made a lot of friends here. I also felt, I felt like I had more friends here than I did when I in San Diego, and I'd been in San Diego at the time for like four or five years, and been coming to Nashville for like two years. It's good. It's a good place to, to call home for now. I don't I don't know what I don't know what life has for me in the, in the long term, and, and where or where it has for me yeah. to be. But uh, I do love it here for the time being. Um, it snowed here like last week, which is really cool. I had like several calls canceled last week. There's like several people in Nashville last week. They're like, "Hey, my kids are home." It's snowing, like we got to reschedule. I'm like, oh, no worries. Absolutely, it's a snow day, so it's yeah. uh, that's cool. I mean, that's that's different and cool. I love it. So I saw that I saw your Twitter. You said that uh, you're into you're into craft beer, and oh, yeah. uh, I'm I'm a big fan. But I was reading the other day that Tennessee has like crazy laws on the alcohol percentage of their beer. Like really? they can't have like over a certain oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like, like there's. There's a percentage that they can't pour on. You can't pour on tap here. Oh, is that what hey, it is? But in all in all straightforwardness, my bio is a little bit old in the sense that like my enthusiasm is much more towards bourbon now than it, than it than it is craft is craft beer. And it's just kind of a weird thing. I don't know what it is exactly, except that I'm trying to watch my waistline a little bit. I love I love a good like stout dark beer. Don't get me wrong. I thought that's like a sweet spot for me. But yeah. Um, we're in like bourbon country and it's kind of like a treasure hunt to find some of these things. And like, I, when I grow up, I want to be a treasure hunter. Like seriously, <laughs> real, I do. And, uh, it's kind of like a fun little treasure hunt. And it's kind of like, it makes me feel like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit like a, like a dignified gentleman. Like I'm like, well, you know, this one, it's like wine. It's like, this one has like a, you know, when it hits your palate, the bouquet here, you've got some vanilla notes and you can taste the oak and blah, 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 you know, and you kind of feel like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. So I've kind of gotten into that and I've gotten into making hot sauce. So those are my two like new vices. Uh, I might have a hot sauce company someday because I really like it. There you um, nice. But yeah, I do love craft beer. I was I got to go to Ireland last year with my girlfriend. Not a craft place necessarily, but I got to go to Guinness, which is like one of my favorite places ever, yeah. ever beers ever. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah. I love craft beer. I love burrito. I Man, Mexican food. That's the other thing, bro. If we're talking about bios, uh, there is not good Mexican food out here. That's probably my biggest qualm with Tennessee and Nashville is that people don't get it. Even if there's a Mexican restaurant, it's just like it, they don't get it. That's Yeah, that's hard if you lived in San Diego for a while. And uh, <laughs> favorite, Yeah, my favorite restaurant was like 10 minutes from my house in San Diego. And oh, like, man. Bull Taco. That's my location. <laughs> that's the greatest thing there is, dude. It's... Uh, anyway, so, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I got a buddy who's opening a, a bourbon and coffee bar. Oh, nice. So that was kind of the impetus in that. And then I've got, yeah, I'm, got some things I'd like to do, man. I'd like to get, it'd be cool to have like some California Mexican food out here because it's different than Texas, different than like traditional. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's better, but I'm biased. So, yeah. <laughs> I kind of do like a just a rapid fire kind of questions at the end if uh, sure. you're up for that. Let's roll. All right. First part's blank or blank. Uh, baseball or football? Football. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out? In-N-Out. Android or iPhone? iPhone. Uh, Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? Oh, man. Hey, Bieber's new record's kind of fire. But 
I love JT. I've met JT. I'm gonna say Timberlake. Nice. That's so. I. That's like the funniest question for me because everybody's like, oh, oh, shoot, like. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's hard right now. <laughs> Beavs is kind of a. Beavs is kind of a douche. So. Yeah. And yeah. I like Justin. I think Justin's a good dude. I just. I mean, Beavs' record is is catchy. I'm not even. Gonna... <laughs> nice. Next part's a uh, favorite blank, favorite band or artist. Oh man. Well, we talked about acceptance earlier. Yeah. Probably all time acceptance uh is got it man the fact that they broke up too after that phantoms record came out is well, like, well they're they're back together do you know that well, i know they went on tour yeah i was gonna go catch christian and the guys like uh i just didn't didn't work with my work schedule unfortunately i i know the dude got a new record is what i hear too yeah so. uh, we we planned i planned uh our vacation last summer around them playing in hollywood we went down to uh to newport beach for the week the same week okay. that they're playing in hollywood and the girls went to bed and I went to the show and that's rad. Dude. It was, I mean, I saw them in San Francisco at this place called the pound. I've been to the pound. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best shows I've ever been to was there. Cause I have to say my second favorite band of all time is beloved. Oh yeah. I saw beloved play with further seems forever and armor for sleep. At the nice. Pound. Nice. Yeah. yeah There's about 20 people. There is right before Phantoms came out. It was Valentine's day, 2005, like right two months before Phantoms came out and the record had leaked. And so everybody, all 20 people there knew like every word every of it. Word. And they're, they're like, what is going on? And they're like, oh. Yeah, I think I saw them, not even the same tour, man. I saw them with uh, with Love Drug and Copeland oh, like nice. right before the record came out too. And in, in Sacramento at like a church, It was, I feel like it was right before because they played like Black Lines to Battlefield. Right. And some, of Fan, uh, some of Phantoms. But I was like into Love Drug at the time too. So that was like a big a big show yeah. nice yeah. yeah man acceptance I, I, i've got beloved tattoos too so i'm a big uh, beloved guy yeah nice uh favorite book oh um man that's a tough uh, probably love does by bob goff nice. at the moment i got to hang with bob for a couple weeks when in san diego and he was like that dude is the dude that but, that book that guy like i've i read that book and i'm just like he just oozes oozes love and He's I just amazing, dude. I, yeah amazing, dude. that and then a million miles in a thousand years by donald miller are probably my two favorite books nice. uh, and then i read a lot of nonfiction, so crack hour stuff like i love i don't read any fiction yeah. uh, just i don't know why but nice. that's my thing yeah uh favorite city Ooh, man probably anywhere in australia to be honest like it was just that place is sweet other than that if we're talking about the states Ah, uh, dude, I don't even know, man. I'll say like probably Dublin, actually, in, in Ireland, not even the states. I'll probably say yeah. Dublin, if not Australia, anywhere Australia, anywhere in Australia is awesome. So, nice. favorite food, burritos, Mexican food. Yes. F- uh, favorite movie. Oh man, dang, that's a tough one, dude. Um, Point Break. Nice. Yeah, well, actually, the top point break. And let me just qualify that by saying it is the best, worst movie or worst <laughs> movie of all time. It's, it's it's so unbelievably ridiculous. Like, it's that. And then if I were to be serious, I'm like, I mean, I love, like, Tomb, Braveheart, Tombstone, uh, Gladiator. I have a Gladiator tattoo. I mean, nice. I don't that, that Those are, like, I love epics. Yeah. Uh, I love Anchorman. Like, comedies. Yeah, I like it too. I like a lot of I man. Wedding Crashers. How can you? How can you? You can't go wrong. <laughs> uh, last part's fill in the blank. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a blank. I want to be a professional athlete. Nice. Uh, if I had more time, I would blank. I would 
read more actually if I had more time. Yeah. Or start another company. Actually, that's what I did. I started another company. Nice. If I had a little more time. If uh, if money didn't matter, I would blank. Uh, dude, I would give it away. I mean, I, I'd want to be, I'd run a nonprofit. I mean, that's ultimately what I want to do. At the, yeah. end of the end of the day, that's my retirement plan. Is I want to want to do stuff for other people, and that, you don't need to have a lot of money to do that, but it sure helps, man. It's a lot of leverage. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people think I'm weird because I blank. Oh man. Maybe just because I, just, I don't care what people think. I. Because I grow mustaches sometimes. I grew a mullet when I was thirty, just for the just for the fun of it. Because uh, nice. I sing all the time uh, as well, and I don't have a good singing voice. That's probably the one. Everybody at the office is like, "Man, how you do sing? You don't even sing very good." <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, last ones. If I wasn't on this dumb podcast, I would be blank. You sitting at my desk working. <laughs> it's not a dumb. This is this has been good, man. I really like this. I think your concept is awesome, man. Like, thank you. Three hundred sixty-five people in three hundred sixty-five days. I mean, it takes some scheduling. I don't have those kind of organization organizational skills. So if we were building the company, I'd be like, I need your help just in organizing things because I don't think I could set it up and make it happen. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult. I mean, like I was telling you before, I do I do a lot of things, and it's. Uh, you probably have to double up a couple of days with people. With, That's yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to do that. I had two two calls yesterday, and I'm I would like to get you know a couple of weeks ahead. So if we go on vacation, yeah, so or we get no sick, doubt, right? or whatever. You know, it's not Running a the computer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but um, yeah, it's 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 been awesome. It's been lots of fun, and I really appreciate your time and your story. Well, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Luke Rogers of Pro Merch and. Just check out check out promerch.com. They make super awesome t-shirts. They have all your sports teams, baseball, football. Uh, we'll have this, the link to that in the show notes as well, 365conversations.com slash episode 31. And just thanks so much to Luke for sharing his story and just being so open and honest about where he's been and where he's taking his business to today. And uh, just had a really good time talking with Luke. Just super cool dude. So again, just check out promerch.com. They have just awesome shirts. So support them and buy a shirt. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.